Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Truly, if you look at what's happening on Twitter, everybody feels bad because they don't think TurboTax is serving them either. And yet they feel bad because they can't serve them because they don't have the resources. When I say resources, I mean they don't have the bodies to do those tax returns to help them. So who's helping this middle person? And that's where April wants to come in. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. With so much change happening so quickly when it comes to automation in the tech space, it can be hard to keep up, but keeping up is a minimum requirement. Here today to talk with me about tech and automation innovation is my guest, Jody Padar. Jody is known as the Radical CPA and enjoys disrupting the profession with innovative best practices for processes and technology. She also pioneered business solutions that would later become known as advisory. Jody brings her expertise in AI and automation to her latest endeavor as head of tech strategy and evangelism at the recently launched company named April. And she's here today to help us put into context and get a deeper appreciation for the pace of changes afoot. Jody, welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you helping us untangle and figure out what we need to be paying attention to when it comes to all the tech related to accounting and everything. So um, before we dig in, tell us what's going on with April. It's no longer just a tax season. Um, right. So uh, April is a new technology company that's been designed to disrupt the tax space. I mean, it's kind of cool when you think about it because nobody's disrupted the tax space for, what, 30 years, right? We have the big players. We have Imps, Intuit, Thompson, CCH, WK, right? But that's it. And there's nobody else. And now um, April's coming along to change all that. So they know that we, as a profession, know the tax software definitely needs to be updated, upgraded, whatever. And April's taking on the big idea that we can do it. Now we're starting in the consumer market, but eventually we hope to move over to the professional side as well. And what's happening too is there's a lot of stuff happening in the world from the way it's changing in that April's really thinking about it from a fintech perspective, which I think is the disruptor. It's not just that, oh yeah, we're creating new tax software because like, I, I mean, if that's what we were doing, I wouldn't have joined April because I'd be like, yeah, they've done it, like been there, done that, like what's the innovation on it? But truly what's the innovation is that fintech is coming into the tax space and it's going to affect CPAs and professionals. And I don't think it's all bad because I do believe that there's a place in the market for 
this type of innovation that CPAs don't really want to be bothered with anyways. So I think we're going to kind of fill that void and we can talk about that more as we get into it. But also April's not the only one. H&R Block created a bank account, right? So it's tax and fintech coming together, right? Cash App, they're doing taxes now and there's a bank account attached to it. So the stuff that April's thinking about and a different way of creating fintech with taxes is changing as a whole in the marketplace. And I don't necessarily know that most CPAs see that or understand that. And I think that's the disruption. It's not just that we're creating new tax software because like it's tax software. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, so it well, it does. And I think also it, we need to get underneath the hood a little bit. So for listeners who are not up to speed on what April is or what it's doing, you said that it's in the consumer market for now. Can you expand a little bit on like actually what does it do at a high level? Basically, what we're doing now is we're creating tax software that's going to be distributed through banks. So if you think about it, the money in taxes has always been on money movement. It's never been on just taxes. If you think about what H&R Block did with refund anticipation loans or any even tax professional does who says, hey, you can save money in, in taxes you know, open an IRA account and, you know, put your money there, right? And that'll be a tax, there'll be a reduction of taxes. And taxes and financial planners, right? They've always come together because financial planning at it, at its whole starts with taxes. And if you, if you look at financial planning without considering the tax component, I think you're missing a huge part of financial planning, right? So now we're marrying the two and banks just so happen to be involved in the process, whereas I don't think prior banks maybe were involved in the process, but they weren't involved in the process online. It was very much happening in an everyday world, not necessarily digital. And now we're saying, okay, it's going to happen digitally and we're not the only ones doing it. So again, if H&R Block opens a bank account, why are they, why are they creating a bank, right? They haven't done that in the past and now they're doing it. So that's what's happening. And where April comes in is, is we're going to begin distributing through banks and the banks would distribute our software similar to the way you would go to the store and buy TurboTax, right? Instead, you'd say, oh, it's a bank and you're getting your tax prep from the bank. And then, again, the money's made on the back end, not necessarily on the tax software itself, which makes sense. Okay, sort of. I feel like we still need to connect the dots and just make it super obvious. And because you said, you know, the money's never been in the taxes, it's in the money movement. So where is the profitability coming from here when it comes to the movement of the money? If you're a bank and your customer has a tax refund, they want it deposited in their bank account. They don't want it to come in a check, get cashed and go somewhere else, right? They want that refund to hit the bank account. And so that's where it comes. And what Intuit's doing is Intuit has its own bank accounts attached to TurboTax. So if you are a bank and you refer that business to TurboTax or you don't refer anything and your customer ends up picking up TurboTax at the grocery store and they do it and now they put their money in Intuit's bank account, the bank loses that opportunity to serve that customer. So that's how it's connected to FinTech. And when I say that is it's always been like this. This is not anything new. It's just never been so digital, if that makes sense, right? So people have always sold stuff off of tax returns. I mean, financial, why, why are your financial planners connected to tax advisors? It's the financial planning aspect. So now add a bank to that component and now put it online. And now you have a big disruptor. 
Does that make sense now? Uh, so I already know what it is. So I just want to make sure it's crystal clear to listeners who are out for a run and being like, wait, what are they talking about? So I think what's happening in simple terms is that April is the software that the bank buys so that the tax return, when it gets done, the money, the cash automatically gets plunked into the bank, which is what the bank wants is to have more cash, right? Exactly. I just wanted to be crystal clear for listeners exactly how all this plugs in together and where the advantages are. So when you and I talked in the green room a few weeks ago, you were talking about the the AI that underpins this that's especially powerful. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So in the past, people haven't been able to create tax software because it's very expensive. So it's very expensive because it's very detailed. And every year those laws change, right? And then you have to have engineers and programmers and everyone to keep updating that tax software, right? So tax software really hasn't changed in 30 years, right? Because like, it's just expensive to just update it. Not even, like you didn't even change where the button is. You just got it so that it's calculating the returns correctly, the way the world works with today's software is very different than it worked 30 years ago. And so now the opportunity is to rewrite all of that code as to how it would update and calculate. And it would be significantly less to do that same kind of programming because think of where computers have come in the last 30 years. It's as easy as that. Like if the code hasn't, if the tax software code hasn't changed in 30 years, think of how much faster everything moves today And so our engineers are using the latest and greatest technology to develop the software to calculate tax forms. And that, that's just 30 years of innovation. And so what's going to be happening is because our software is just that much in the future, it's going to cost a lot less to do all the updates that it's previously cost in the past because the software is 30 years old and they keep, you know, trying to update it. So the innovation is there now. When you think about artificial intelligence, machine learning, I mean, those are tools that our engineers are going to use, but they just have a bigger opportunity because, again, we're software changed in 30 years, right? And the reason I joined April and the reason I believe that we actually have a chance to really change the tax world is because we're connecting to banks. And when there's banks, there's money. And so that we're going to have the resources to develop the software the the way it needs to go. If April's go-to-market strategy was like, okay, you're going to go collect all these taxpayers and you're going to have to convince them to buy April software versus buying TurboTax, I'd be like, yeah, like that's a huge behavior change. It's going to cost a lot of money, a lot of marketing, whatever. But if the bank's giving it away or the bank's charging a very small fee for it because the bank is has the opportunity to make money on the back end, which has been proven for years, it just wasn't proven in an online world, then we as a company have the opportunity to have the longevity to get our software so that, you know, I'll say we won't run out of money, right? Like, because you think about it, it's going to take a lot of money to to get the software done. But if we were just selling software, it'd be one thing, but we're not selling software. We're it's fintech. And again, we're not the only ones doing it. So obviously the, the market is ripe for disruption or these other players wouldn't be doing the same things we're doing. So it sounds like the strategy is go in using the banks, get the consumer side, and then expand once it's established, and then go for the professional side. Is that Do we have that straight? Yeah, because think about it. Once we have our tax engine, our tax engine, can we can put anything on top of it. it the, 
core, the nucleus is the tax engine. It's not the it's not the distribution channel, right? Like eventually, once our core tax engine is out there and it's solid, then you just put all whatever whoever you want to distribute it to on top of it, right? the The hard part is the engine, building the engine so that it can update as tax laws update quickly. And this is kind of like the the big vision is that tax would be truly the foundation or a platform that every financial institution would connect into our engine to create better financial planning from, which is kind of crazy, right? Like, I mean, that's the big crazy idea, but imagine if April was the engine that created all the tax planning for everybody. Big idea. I like it. it. It is. It's the crazy idea, but like... Maybe it may take us 10 years, but we'll get there. So I don't think that your typical CPA, at least the ones listening to this podcast, are going to be too worried about April embedding itself into the bank and taking 1040 work. They're going to be like, yeah, that's fine. Great. Actually, get that stuff out of my firm. The faster, the better. But what they, what I'm wondering about is how how long before it takes the business returns and the professional work, because many listeners to this podcast are headed in the direction of doing business returns for half a million, $5 million businesses. And so I'm thinking about, wait a minute, (laughs) if April is coming and in five years, it's going to like make tax work for business returns obsolete. Like, tell us what, what's going on? Yeah. So I don't think it's going to do that. I truly believe, well, at least in April's vision, it's to really connect the individual with financial planning, the individual tax return with financial planning, right? So that's our vision. I'm not saying there isn't a competitor that's going to come along and do what we're doing on the business side, but that's not our immediate vision. I do think, and again, I don't think our software's ever going to replace the value of an accounting professional, truly. I think where there's the space is for that taxpayer who needs help with their tax return because TurboTax isn't simple enough. It's not human-centric enough. And they don't want to pay $950 for a 1040 because CPA firms need to charge that because they can't do the work themselves if they don't charge it. And that's that, so it's the space in between. And if we think about it, where it would go from a professional standpoint is, again, if we could give that that compliance part to the professional that much quicker so that then they could actually put real good planning on top of it, not just do the compliance work and really not be able to to give a lot of planning to the consumer. So I, I don't think we're going to, like the market we're talking to is the market CPAs is abandoning for all intents purposes. It's the market that CPAs are saying, I can't do your return for more that like for less than $950. And that's actual a number that I've seen floating around on Twitter is that all individuals minimum price is now $950. And for a family, couple kids and a schedule a, is there really value in $950 for that tax return? Can you really squeeze out $950 worth of value on it? I don't I don't truly believe so. I believe it's a compliance point at that. Now if you have financial planning and you're doing other stuff for them, that's fine, but then you're not that's not really compliance. That should be on the financial planning side, right? It shouldn't be compliance. And I think what's going to happen is is those people are going to say, "I can't afford $950." I, I'm not going to go to you anyways. And that's what the CPAs want. They don't want that work anyways. Like they, it, that once a year tax client who doesn't want to engage with them for financial planning, doesn't want to engage with them. They don't have a business. Like we're serving that population. We're going to serve that population that CPAs are trying to exit anyways. 
and they feel bad because they don't have a good place for them to go. Truly, if you look at what's happening on Twitter, everybody feels bad because they don't think TurboTax is serving them either. And yet they feel bad because they can't serve them because they don't have the resources. When I say resources, I mean they don't have the bodies to do those tax returns to help them. So who's helping this this middle person? Yeah. And that's where April wants to come in and and make it human-centric, tax compliance with a little bit of financial planning to help that, I'll say, average American who isn't going to pay for high-end personalized financial planning service anyways. Got it. And what's happened is, is they've already done it in the financial planning space. Look at what Betterment did. Tell listeners who don't follow Betterment what they did. Yeah. Think about financial planners who say, I won't touch you unless you have a half a million dollars in assets. Where do all those Regular people go, well, Betterment came in and served that market. Well, that's the market we want to serve. The the market that CPAs and they just don't have enough, but yet they still have complex situations. And if you automate it, you can do it. And, and the only thing that I want to add on to the piece about individual returns at 950 or what whatever the price is, and can you squeeze profit out of that? I mean, maybe, but I think an even better question is, what's the opportunity cost that you're leaving by the wayside when you do take on somebody at 950? So let me ask you about the innovation under the hood, because what you were telling me in the green room was kind of astounding for the listeners who might be like me, who you know don't follow the development of code um, and automation. What you were talking about was the level of AI is such that it's able to simply read the tax documents and turn that into code. You no longer need developers to actually write the code. Do I have that right? Yeah, so that's what artificial intelligence is. That's what it is. You you still need the person who's going to tell it how to do it, right? Like <laughs> yeah. obviously like AI just doesn't come into, I don't know, the IRS tax code and come up with it, right? It's not like a it's not like a a, a robot that's coming in and doing it or whatever. You you still have an engineer who's writing the code, but the way that code is written today is very different than the way it was many years ago, right? And so what artificial intelligence does, and it does it on any sort of legal document, if you look at how um, artificial intelligence can read a PDF and immediately pull out the important things, well, it can do the exact same thing to the tax code, right? So instead of having a person read that page and figure out what's really important on it, the computer's going to pop it to the top and like it's going to take less people to do the work that it used to take. So instead of having, you know, 500 engineers do something, you know, we might only need 100 engineers to do it or whatever. So the cost to develop it is a lot less because you're getting rid of the humans. Similar to the way that we've automated tax returns. Think about like 10 years ago or 20 years ago, one person might only be able to handle so many tax returns, but now with OCR and all that other interface stuff, one tax professional can handle that much many more tax returns because they're not just doing it all by hand, right? It's the same way in computer languages. If you haven't changed that language in 30 years, like think about that. The tax software hasn't been changed in that long. Think of all the advancements in computer science that have happened over the last 30 years. It's it's going to take a lot less to do it. It's going to take a lot less to do the same work that they did 30 years ago. And nobody's done it because it's still very expensive to do. It absolutely is very expensive to create tax software and nobody's done it because they're like, well, the incumbents are there. Why would I poke the incumbents? They already have it, whatever. But again, if there's a FinTech connection to it and there's money moving on the back end, now 
there's actually an opportunity to use tax as a delivery like to basically move money. So for the CPA who's listening to this, who, you know, may have a handful of 1040s left over, or maybe they still have a tax factory that they're running that they've totally dialed in, it's super smooth. And, you know, it runs pretty seamlessly. What's the opportunity here for a typical solo CPA who's listening, if any? Today, there is no opportunity. I mean, truly, we're we're not at that point yet, right? Like, we're not distributing to CPAs. We can't give our engine out. To, like, that. today, it's not. In the future, probably we will be. But I think it's important to realize how fast this is going to change and how the world's changing. And I think that's where it comes back to. It's kind of like why CPAs think that their jobs aren't going to change. Like, it doesn't make sense because the world around us has changed so much and there's money coming into our space because they realize there's an opportunity for profit. They think they're like, they live in their worlds because that's because they're so busy doing the work, they forget to look out at the marketplace and the marketplace is changing. And that's what, that's the important thing for them to take away from today. It's not that, you know, go, go buy April because they're not going to be able to buy it. So like, forget about even purchasing it, but if we're coming into this space, we're not going to be the only ones and we aren't the only ones today who are kind of doing these similar things. And they need to be aware that their job is going to change in the near future. So they have to figure out who they want to serve, how they want to serve them, and how they can put the human back to serving them because that's where we excel. If you're going to charge nine fifty, and again, you said about the opportunity cost, you better figure out how you're going to humanize that process so that you're delivering that much value on it because ultimately there are going to be a lot of solutions that are going to be there instead of, right? So I, I think that's the the takeaway too, is that the CPAs, you can't just raise your prices. You got to figure out the value you're delivering and how you're expressing it and how you help your clients understand that there is value in what you're delivering because otherwise they're going to say, oh, well, I could just go to an automated service. And, and, and that's the takeaway. You know, technology is coming, technology is coming chicken little thing, because I think a lot of CPAs are like, people have been saying technology is coming and it's going to change everything. And then there are people who are like, yeah, 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 we've been hearing that for years and we're still here. So is this like, no, really it's coming or? I, I think it's money is coming. I don't think it's technology. I think the venture capitalists, I think the private equity has found that the accounting space can be automated. It hasn't been automated in so many years. And where there's money, there's movement. And that's what, again, that's the marketplace changing that CPAs, because they have their heads down doing work, they don't realize how much outside money is coming into our industry that it's making a difference. And it's not just from April. Look at all the private equity they are doing all the M&A with even the big firms, right? Like all that money's coming in and the mergers and acquisitions are coming in at big firms, right? So it's not just that. I mean, if you look at when I was at Botkeeper, right? The money that was coming into Botkeeper to help automate the bookkeeping process. Never before has money come into the space at the rate that it's coming in today. So they've realized that accounting is ripe for automation because nobody's done anything in it in the last 50 years. And if we put a little money at it and a little bit of manpower and some engineers, we can change it. And that's what 
Um, and you know, VC is in it for the return. They're not in it to solve everybody's problems. They, they only put money where they think that they're going to get a, an exit on, right? Like nobody just says, oh, we're going to throw money at the accounting space because we don't think we're going to like make money. They, they're putting money into our space because they know that there's an opportunity here. And again, that's the thing that CPAs don't think about that they need to think about is like, look, there's competition coming here. It's encroaching on us. And we better up our game, figure out how we're going to change our game because automation takes away a lot of the work that we used to do. And we used to hang our hat on and say, oh, we do it so much better. Well, guess what? Like automation is going to fill a lot of that and we're going to have to figure out where we make up the difference. Okay. So I love that you brought this piece up because I think listeners come over here because I don't think that we're all doomed. And I think there are lots of opportunities when you kind of appreciate what technology and automation can do, then it frees you up and you've got new opportunities that get created. So if we get out of the mindset of technology is encroaching and instead we ask, okay, technology is freeing me up, where do you see new opportunities for CPAs? Like, does this create new land like a volcano underwater does that people can all of a sudden that didn't exist before and people can all of a sudden go, ooh, I think I'm going to move into this space. Do you see anything like that happening? I think what's going to happen is I think as these tools start in the consumer market, eventually they're going to make it to the professional market. And I think that's where they're going to see the opportunity because what's going to happen is, is as the innovation happens and things get a lot faster, then they'll go to the professional side and then the professionals won't have to do so much busy work. They'll do less busy work than they do today. And then they'll be able to up their game on the planning. Because, I mean, think about this. Think about if artificial intelligence could pop up a tax return with seven different items to say to you how you could potentially save more money. And now you could deliver that to your tax customer because you've had the hint and it gave you that. And you could say, oh, well, the tax customer could go do it themselves and they could read it. But we as an impact could actually take those suggestions and apply them to the bigger, broader picture that the tax customer doesn't see because we have a bigger view. So I think like anything else, the computer can give you the information and it's going to help you there. But if you don't know how to digest that information, explain that information, see how it interacts with the bigger scope that that one particular product gave you that information from, that that's the opportunity. That's what I see, right? Like let it give you the kind of suggested planning opportunities, but then you take those opportunities and you actually make something happen with them, right? Because the the consumer can get them, but they're going to be like, oh, okay, told me I should do this, this, and this. And nothing happens. But if the professional saw it and it said you should do this, this, and this, now you could take it back to simple coaching and accountability. Did your client do this, this, and this? You could take it to, okay, how does these four suggestions play into their biggest, bigger, broader business plan? And you can help them that way. Those are the things that I think technology like this is going to help professionals for in the future. And it's not going to be this year, right? Like, so like, again, it's in the future, but when we start, and not just us, but as a whole, more automation comes in, it's going to help us do things faster. So, and and that's what's been happening for the last 40 years. That's not anything new. Like, again, professionals get freaked out, like, oh, it's taking my job. Well, guess what? Are you doing today what you did in 1990? No, 
Like everything changed and you still are relevant. We're always going to have a place. We're just going to do our jobs differently. It was a lot to follow, but I think we're with you. And it was also 14 years ago that I was starting a business and talking to my CPA. And she's like, yeah, just use the QuickBooks budgeting tool. And I was like, no, this thing is junk. I can't make it work for what I need. And I haven't been in there since to see if it's improved or not. But this has been super interesting. You had one more thing to say before we close down. So go ahead. So for every CPA, if you're into, you said your audience is very progressive, Go find another CPA and get your friend CPA to become just as progressive as you. That's the only way the industry is going to change. It has to be one person at a time, and it has to be getting your friends to get on board and move forward. Because if they don't, that's why you're so frustrated with the tools. Because we want better tools, and in order to get better tools, you have to have adoption. So, like... For the innovators, I was that innovator 14 years ago, and I'm still an innovator, and I would say I'm bleeding edge. I get that, but you need to get your friends on board, or how are we going to get the tools that we need to do our jobs better and to remain relevant in the future? And, and that's, that, that's my lesson for CPAs, because I've been at it for a long time. I love that. Preaching. I love that. This has been so great. Jody. if people want to find out more about you or about April, where can they do that? Easiest place to find me probably is on LinkedIn, just under Jody Paydar. Um, if they f- want to find out about April, it's getapril.com. So www.getapril.com. And they can read out all about us, whatever. If they're interested in the technology, go ahead and send an email to support. They're going to probably end up in my desk anyways, because I am starting kind of just a list of people who are interested as we start to figure out what we're doing and, you know, how we would attack the professional market. But like I said, it's not tomorrow. Excellent. Jody. this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. The opportunities for forward-thinking CPAs to create enormous value are everywhere. If you see a space that's ripe for innovation, but your path to make the idea a reality is fuzzy, stop what you're doing and head over to shethinksbigcoaching.com to subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy for CPAs. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is shethinksbigcoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to geraldinecarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.